How's it going this week, everybody? This week I'm going to be having Sean on the show, and he came on to share his unusual paranormal accounts that he was experiencing in his home. His cats actually started to react to this entity as well, which is very interesting. Also, quick shout out to all of the members. If you are interested in the membership, you can head over to challengetheunknown.com and sign up for early access to new episodes. Thanks for listening. Okay, so six years ago, uh, my wife and I adopted kittens, uh, brother and sister, and when the kittens were about five or six months old, our male Mikey, uh, we had a floor-to-ceiling cat tower uh, across from the sofa on one side, and on the other side of that wall, there's a television. So we were watching TV one evening, and Mikey was playing with some kind of invisible thing in the corner of the room. And we were really distracted. He was a cute kitten playing with that invisible thing. And I went over to check. Maybe it was a mosquito. Something had gotten in. But no, uh, he was playing with just air. And as we watched him, the invisible spot on the wall moved from the corner uh, over the cat tower. And he kept on batting at it as it was moving and moved off the cat tower. And he reached off the cat tower and tried to grab it. And then he just watched that invisible spot in the room. And we were watching him and watch the invisible spot. It went over to the room to where our television was. And when it got that far, the power indicator light on our television came on. The picture didn't. It stayed like that for two or three seconds. My wife was sitting right next to me. And I was going to say something to her. But like I said, it was only two or three seconds. Before I could say something to her, the TV turned on. Interesting, man. That's very interesting. You know, I hear a lot of accounts of weird electronic interference and happenings whenever people talk about this kind of paranormal stuff. And have you ever seen anything like this before? Uh, at the current house, no. I had another incident many years ago that was completely, un completely uh, unconnected to that. Okay, well, let's continue with this first story, and then we'll get to that, that first account after this. But what happens next? Well, a few months later, uh, was Mike, our cat Mikey again, our kitten Mikey. I, we'd entered the living room. He had entered with us, and then he looked under the, our sofa and flattened his ears way down and let out a long hiss, very angry hiss at something under the sofa. So, of course, uh, like... I immediately got down and looked under the sofa. Nothing there. Interesting. Um, yeah. So he was responding to something, definitely. Yeah, I'd say so also. That's really weird, man. You know, a lot of people say that animals are super sensitive to this kind of stuff. So who knows, man? Who knows what your cat was seeing? So, so what happened after that? Well, it was many years of absolutely nothing happening. Um... Oh, and I think we should remind our, uh, your guests that uh, I, this is from Japan. I live and work in Japan. And I work as an English teacher in a nearby city. Uh, in Japan, the, there are lots of fields in these cities. It's different. Uh, you'll have like, a, like in the middle of a, a city, oftentimes you'll find a rice field or, you know, a garden. This particular day I was walking to work and I, in the rain, 
heard some uh, cries, uh, very strange bird cries. And then it occurred to me they weren't bird cries, they were kittens. And I looked down in this uh, field, in this garden, and I saw two newborn kittens caked in mud, uh, you know, being rained on, and obviously the mother had abandoned them. So I, I took them home. I didn't think that they would make it, but uh, surprisingly, they both did. Awesome. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so we fostered them, and then when they were about three months old, the the following thing happened. Um, there are figurines that my wife and I have in our porch windowsill, and these are called manekineko or lucky cats in Japan. Uh, maybe you've seen them in the movies. Yeah, they're the little the little white cats, correct? Yeah, the little white cats, and they have a gold coin in one paw, and they have another paw being uh, raised up. I actually have one of those. Oh, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Uh, so these were arranged in a semicircle. And then one morning, um, I mentioned, hey, did you move the uh, Minekineko? They're all, like, shoved over to one side. And then she told me like what what are you talking about uh, she got very very scared she thought i was joking with her she thought i was kidding with her when she realized that i was telling the truth and this wasn't a prank she got a bit upset um so we had salt on the windowsill uh as a remedy to that for a while yeah i kind of that superstitious legend there with with the salt you know that that might bring some comfort to you i guess did did, uh, did anything else happen after that uh well not with the kittens um and that leads us to the last encounter um uh once again this involves my uh cat mikey he got sick last december um the reason he got sick was he had a little bit of an accident in the litter box and uh he got he got a shower uh, as a result of that, despite it being December, so he got a bit of a cat cold or a cat flu. And he spent the next two days on the couch. And the second day he was on the couch, uh, my wife had gone downstairs earlier, and she was cooking, and she was turning on the TV. As she turned, an in, as she turned uh, the TV to an input channel, she saw uh, a very, very strange uh, pattern on the screen. And she saw that photo that I sent to you. Mm -hmm. um, so that photo is, uh, as you can see, it's, it's a pink blob. Um, for your guests, I guess I would describe it as being something like a, putting a bunch of jello together with an ice cream, soup, uh, with an ice cream scoop. Yeah, it's and, a very interesting photo, man. I, I, it definitely looks, looks weird. And you can see there is something... Um, it almost looks like it's coming through the TV. There's some very bright spots. But also at the top of this, there is, um, it kind of continues on and back. Just, uh, yeah, you can tell it's like something looking very, very 3D, looking like it's coming through the TV, but definitely not anthropomorphic. Looks like a kind of a, a blob of uh, multi-faceted jello. Ugh. Yeah, that's, it's, Definitely not humanoid, that's for sure. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, I was upstairs when this photo was taken. I was being, it was a lazy Sunday morning for me. 
and I didn't get down and she didn't immediate. And unfortunately, um, she didn't call me down. And also I asked her questions like, was this moving? Was it pulsing? And she wasn't wearing her glasses at the time, so she couldn't see very well. So I couldn't get a lot of information out of her about this. And the other thing, too, is I didn't want to, I didn't want to upset her uh, too much. She's a little bit more sensitive towards these things than I am. Yeah, I've noticed that with people. You know, some people are really uncomfortable with the topic. I've interviewed a couple of people that have had very violent, intense experiences with these type of entities or whatever they are. And man, it's it's rough, dude. You sh you should really listen to uh, this one in particular episode. I think it's episode forty five. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, but very violent paranormal stuff. And you know, I understand when people get uncomfortable about the topic because some of this stuff can be very extreme. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a very benign spirit that we have, I believe, and that's that's good. Yeah, very happy about that. Um, so, yeah, well, what, what happens after that? Was that the, the last part of this portion of the story or does anything else happen after, after you got that photo? Nothing has happened since we've gotten that photo. Interesting. And then why don't we go back to your first encounter that you ever had? What, what why don't you tell the audience about that? What happened? Okay. I was at a university town in the Midwest, uh, and I was uh, staying at a very old um, house. And in the middle of the night, I had a woken up and between the foot of my bed and my entertainment center, um, there was fog, very, very thick fog billowing up from the floor. I remember it was about three o'clock in the morning. It's like, I just woke up. It was very hazy. And just kind of being hypnotized by this uh, by this billowing fog. It's very very billowing, like a you know like a humidifier smoke, but uh, you know much much more than that. And I could see that just twinkling. Uh, you know, be, I could see the lights of my entertainment center. Uh, you know, twinkling up be, as as the smoke or as the fog rose. It was a really uh, a wonderful experience, I'd say. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I hear a lot about these mists that people describe. So let me let me kind of transition you to this. Let me get your opinion on what you think these things are, if you have an opinion. You know, do you think that they're people? Do you think that, you know, these things exist in different light spectrums? What's your opinion on what these things are and where do they come from? Well, I think that these are manifestations of the spirit world. Um, the spirit world is something that extends into a, an extra dimension. And for us on Earth, all, all light, all energy comes from the sun. In one form or another, all energy that makes us, you know, keeps us going comes from the sun. And we move up to the food chain, um, but, you know, it's all powered by the sun. For the spirit world, everything seems to be powered by spirit energy, or key, key energy. And different places produce different key energy. Um, for example, we're living at the end of, edge of a forest. I think what happened 
And the situation that we have in our house currently is that something from the forest came over into our house because it's uh, it's nice here. There is a nice key energy for it to feed off of. Yeah, man, that makes sense. You know, I know, I know there's a lot of theories out there, and and I hope that one day we really get some good answers. I just don't think the technology is there yet for us to fully understand what these things are doing or, you know, all that. But, you know, it's fun to speculate. And I, I think your opinion on the matter is, is definitely sound. You know, that's a, that's a solid theory. And I also think that this isn't something that is uh, uh, a spirit of something dead. I think that things form in the spirit world kind of independently some things uh, of course uh, are souls of the dead spirits of the dead but i think also in the spirit world um things can form by themselves just by radiated energy um like people will talk about the spirit of the forest the spirit of the ocean uh, spirit of a lake uh sometimes things form from this energy this radiated energy and i think what we have right now is something that um was formed from radiated energy and what we see on the TV, that uh, blob of pink jello likes, uh, is what it looks like. That it uh, was interfering with us uh, because of... Um, well, one thing that's very interesting to me. Uh, two of these events, well, three of these events have involved kittens, and the other has involved a sick cat. Uh, key energy gets radiated at different spectrums, at different bands. And when you have a small child, a lot of times, or you know something that's newborn, they have a powerful connection to the spirit world. And these kittens uh, were able to coax something out of the spirit world, or agitate it out of the spirit world. You know that's not and, that's not far fetched, man. Are you familiar with poltergeist? I think it's an American term. But poltergeists are, are very similar in concept. It's a type of entity that feeds off of things like emotional distress. And a lot of accounts of these things generally originate around teenagers, you know, during a time where there's a lot of emotional distress or during times where there's, you know, family trouble, stuff like that. That's when poltergeists really are heard of and, and seen. So, yeah, and a lot of this involves puberty, too, uh, from what I've read. Uh, puberty, of course, being another, like, a uh, rapid change of the body, like in childhood. Yep. So, maybe yeah. different bands of key energy there, too. 100%, man. Well, man, we're, uh, we're sitting at around 20 minutes here. I, I think we're about ready to wrap up, if you're all good, unless you got a little bit more that you want to share. Sure. Um, uh, one thing that, uh, talking about these spirit... Uh, beings, uh, I'd be kind of remiss if I didn't to talk about Kamidana. Kamidana are Japanese spirit houses. Um, this is something that goes way back in Japan. People have shrines to household spirits, and they offer up uh, sake, rice, uh, cuttings of plants to keep the household spirit satisfied. And this is something that's throughout all of uh, the Orient. For example, in Thailand, uh, another place that's uh, famous for spirit houses, in that case, they're called San Prapum. Uh, the spirit houses are kept outside of the house. They, they don't want the spirits inside of the house. 
they keep them outside of the house. Um, and they give offerings to them too. But even in the West, um, for example, um, in ancient Rome, uh, the, they had these same type of spirit houses, uh, which were called lorarium. And these household spirits were taken very seriously in, in ancient Rome. So same thing, offerings of food and offerings of money were left at an altar to the spirits and changed out very frequently. Yeah, man, I've actually, I've done a lot of research on a lot of the Japanese folklore when it comes to, you know, the spirit world and, and yokai, because it's really fascinating because they seem like they really have a deep understanding of these entities and, and that comes with, you know, the whole idea of offerings and, and how it's kind of like a cultural thing, you know, it, it seems like they really, really know what they're talking about. While in the West, it's kind of like, you know, there's old legends and stuff, but there's not as much lore behind it. Yeah, that's a tradition that uh, seems to have died out with uh, the coming of Christianity in the West. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, there there's still the the whole, like, angels and demons concept. But beyond that, you know, you don't really hear about things like offerings to spirits or anything like that. People don't really practice stuff like that here. Uh, whenever there's intense hauntings that you hear about and people that I've talked to that are experiencing very violent entities, the, generally the only thing that they'll do is they'll put crosses and stuff on the wall. And that generally just means either they're super religious or they're really, really scared. So, mm. yeah, it's really interesting. It's crazy how just two different cultures handle these similar accounts so very differently, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. It really is. 100%, man. Well, I'd love to thank you for coming on, man. And I loved your story, and I'm, I'm sure someone's going to come forward with a similar one. So, so we'll have that to look forward to. Well, thank you very much for having me on.